Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland. We take timeless biblical truth and help you to apply it in the context of your daily life. If you'd like to join us live at one of our campuses or stream one of our services online, go to peavine.org for times, locations, and more information. Psalm 23, if you have your Bibles, I started a sermon series uh, last week called Sing a New Song. We're looking at uh, some of our favorite psalms as we go throughout 150 chapters. I'm only going to look at five or six as we go through it. But this is by far one of the most familiar psalms in uh, the Bible. As a matter of fact, one of the most familiar chapters in the Bible, Psalm 23. I can prove it to you. Uh, finish this sentence for me. The Lord is my shepherd. Right, all you carrying King James today, and that's how I memorize it too. Uh, it's beautiful, beautiful in, in that. So Psalm 23, let me preach on this subject today, satisfied. Psalm chapter 23. All right, let's see how old you are. Let's see how good your mind is. I'm going to give you about 15 seconds of a song. Tell me if you can figure it out. I mean, if you know it already, bunch of old people. Started out a four-week run on number one with the single, I Can't Get No Satisfaction. Keith Richards said he woke up in the middle of the night with the lyrics and the guitar riff in his head. They wrote it the next day, and the song became a rallying cry for a generation that was heavily influenced by sex and by drugs. It was a generation that was influenced because they were trying all the sexual deviance they could. They were trying all of the psychedelic drugs that you could imagine and manufacture. And in the midst of all of that, their theme song was, I can't get no satisfaction. What is the song really about? Mick Jagger was not really singing necessarily about sex and drugs. He was singing about the proliferation of useless information, if he could only have imagined 2023. He was singing about marketers and all the products that they were offering when we were just in the television boom, we were were just in an economic boom in 1965 that was going to grow and grow and grow and grow. He was singing about the glamour life of rock and roll, the sinful life of rock and roll, and how even living that glamour life gave him no satisfaction. It just wasn't him. It was an entire generation that was getting out on the boundaries, that was getting on the fringes, that was screaming out, I can't get no satisfaction. And yet, it never died down. Yet, generation to follow and to follow and to follow and to follow. And until we get to 2023, it seems to be the theme song of every generation. I can't get no satisfaction. 
there's just something missing in our lives that we want and we seemingly can't get. I liken it when you go to your one of your favorite restaurants. My wife and I went to uh, Chewy's this past week. And by the way, I was told after the early service uh, that there are multiple people planning on going to Chewy's. And so um, thank you for the Starbucks gift cards. But if you're going to Chewy's, it was Pastor Appreciation Month last month. I'm just throwing it out there. But anyway, my wife and I went to Chewy's uh, uh, one day this week. It's one of our favorite little Mexican places to go to. And uh, I know what I'm going to get when I go there, especially when I'm not dieting. I know what I'm going to get. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eat um, uh, as much of that jalapeno ranch dip that I can possibly, because, you know, the waitress is always so cute. She brings me out a little bowl about that big. And I'm like, I, I literally say this to almost every time. I literally say, you don't understand while I'm here. I eat this by the gallon. So if you'll just bring a gallon of that out, you save you multiple trips over and over again. But I know what I'm going to get. I'm going to get a gallon of that dip, and then I'm going to get their version of a chimichanga. What is a chimichanga? I think they call it a chewy changa. It is a chicken burrito that they then deep fry. And all God's people said, amen. <laughs> I don't care what you deep fry. If you deep fry it, it's good, right? So when I'm on my way to Chewy's to get a Chewy Changa, I talk about it all the way there. I sit there and they hand me a menu and I say, oh, I don't need a menu. I'm good. I know what I'm going to get. And I, I, I'm just so excited. And so she'll come back out and she'll bring me my Diet Coke and she'll bring multiple bowls of that ranch and I'm just waiting to order. But you've had this happen to you at a restaurant. you got it on your mind. You can't quit thinking about it. And right when the waitress says, uh, what would you like to order? And by the way, before you order, I just want you to know we're out of chimichangas. I will burn this restaurant to the ground. It's the only reason I'm here. And yes, you'll eat something. Yes, I'll eat something. But it's not what I wanted. And it never quite hits the spot that the spot that I needed hit. And listen to me, that is the generation we're in today. They're not quite sure what they want, but it, they, whatever it is they're going for, it's not quite hitting the spot. Research tells us that. Gallup will tell us that. Gallup has asked the question, how satisfied are you? And just 50% of Americans are very satisfied with their personal lives. 23% are satisfied with the state of the nation. 48% are very dissatisfied with the state of the U.S. No matter what survey you look at, no matter what study you look at, the fact is we are not satisfied. And the reason we can't get no satisfaction is we're looking in all the wrong places. And Psalm 23 tells us where to look. So would you stand with me as we honor God's word? Psalm 23, six short verses. It'll be on the screen if you don't have your Bible. It's beautiful in the King James. I memorized it in the King James, but I'm going to read it out of the Christian Standard Bible this morning, the CSB, and that's what will be on the screen. Verse number one, the Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right path for his namesake. 
Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. Thank you. You may be seated. It has been said about Psalm 23 that the world could do without many a book before it lost Psalm 23. It has dried many a tear and comforted many a heart. It was a psalm from David. Now, we don't really know when he wrote the psalm, but I have an idea that David may have written this psalm towards the end of his life. When you read Psalm 23, it appears to be a psalm of reflection. It's almost as if, though David said, the Holy Spirit had David write, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It's almost as if David was looking back over his life, remembering when he was a shepherd boy, and he penned the words, and maybe the thoughts on his mind were coming out this way, the Lord has been my shepherd, I have never wanted. It was the thought on David's mind that as I look back over my life, the Lord has been my shepherd. What did he mean when he said the Lord has been my shepherd? Can I walk you through the passage? Look look in verse number one. He said the Lord, that is Jehovah is my shepherd. Uh, Psalm 41 says that the Lord is our shepherd. We, Psalm 74, the Lord is our shepherd, that we are the sheep of his pasture. He said the Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need, that we are under the care of the great shepherd. Now, now, different translations. You say, what does it mean, I have what I need? I read it in multiple translations. Can I show you how it's translated? For example, in the King James, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I used to think when I was a little boy, that meant the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want him. Which doesn't fit at all with the context. So what does it mean, I shall not want? Well, here's how other versions translate it. The Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. The Lord is my shepherd, I don't need a thing. The Lord is my shepherd, I will always have everything I need. How about this? The Lord is my shepherd, I will not be in need. What does it mean when it says the Lord is my shepherd, I have what it, I need? It means that when Jesus is your shepherd, you are satisfied. You look at verse number two and verse number three, and it has those famous passages of, he leads me down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet or still waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right path for his name's sake. It is, he is providing me what I need, green pasture, still waters, restoration, peace in my life. He's guiding me down the right path, exactly what I need. Then we get into verse number four, and we figure out that the journey of the sheep is not always as easy as it sounds like in verses two and three. And in verse number four, he said, when I go through the darkest valley, the King James, the valley of the shadow of death. Like you understand in the Christian life, right? Not everything in the Christian life is green pastures and still waters. There are dark valleys. There are hard times. 
there are dangers. Look, look in verse number four. I, I drew a box around it. I will fear no danger. Why? Because your rod and your staff comfort me. We're told in verse 4 at least three things are happening. That he is guiding us, that he is protecting us, and that he is correcting us. That rod and that staff was used to bring a sheep back to where it ought to be. That is what our shepherd does. And then verse number 5, we're told that uh, sometimes we are encamped in a hostile environment. Sometimes the shepherd would lead the sheep to where he knew there would be danger, but knowing that he would protect them. And that's the culture in which we live. You anoint my head with oil. It is a healing restoration process. My cup overflows. God is always there to provide what I need. And finally, in verse number six, it's kind of the summation of all of this. David has looked back over his life and he said, only goodness and mercy, only goodness and faithful love have pursued me all the days of my life and will pursue me until the end of my days and will pursue me as long as I live for all of eternity. The Lord is my shepherd. Reading those six verses, can I, can I give you four points today and I'll do it quickly. Number one is this, the shepherd brings provision into our lives our shepherd provides us everything we need did you know that only satisfaction will only be found in Jesus and the world is running around trying everything to be satisfied trying everything to fill that void trying everything except for Jesus Christ and the world would turn around and tell you try this you'll be satisfied yet they aren't satisfied and they'll tell you we'll try this and you'll be satisfied try this and it'll fill that void try this and it'll make you complete try this and it'll bring you joy and hear me it never does why the shepherd alone brings provision the shepherd alone brings provision can't talk about food one more time you ever done this at your home you ever gone to your pantry and you're just craving something or your refrigerator and you're just craving something but you don't know what Lucas, my little two-year-old grandson, um, let's be honest, he's the chubby one I've got, and uh, his favorite thing to do, his mama says every day, is to go to the pantry and just look. <laughs> he just looks. He spent the night with us Friday night. He and his sister spent the night with us Friday night. Well, they came and picked him up Saturday morning, and before he left... I mean, literally, they're walking out the door, but his routine is to go back into our pantry and just look around at all God's provision inside the pantry. And you don't want to be disturbed. He just wants to look, and once he's looked, he'll tell you what he wants, or we put the kid's stuff down on the lower shelves, and they can just grab what they want, because we're grandparents. We don't care what they eat, and they have all the candy they want, and he, he'll, he'll just grab what he wants, and that's fine with us, but look... I don't know where he gets that from, but anyway, when I go to the pantry and just look, and I'm craving something, you ever been there, but you don't know what it is, and you're looking around, you got more food in your pantry than most third world countries have in the country, and we're looking around and can't find out what it is, 
Normally one or two things happen. You'll go to the pantry, you're craving something, you don't know what it is, and you'll just look, and you'll look, and you'll look, and you won't, you'll walk away unfulfilled. None of it looked good. Or sometimes you go to the pantry, and you don't really know what it is you want, so you just empty it out into a basket and take it to the television with you. And you walk in with a basket full of food, I got everything from pickles to Doritos in this basket, and I'm going to try it all. Yet I get in front of the television watching my football game and nothing at all I'm trying brings real satisfaction in my life. And listen, that is exactly what goes on in the culture in which we live. They go to the pantry of the culture and they look and they'll try anything but Jesus to bring peace in their lives. And they'll try anything but Jesus to bring joy in their lives. And they'll try anything but Jesus to bring fulfillment in their lives. They'll try anything but Jesus to get rid of the anxiety in their lives. All the while, the Bible tells us this, the Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. He is everything you need. Psalm 34 says this, You who are his holy ones, fear the Lord. For those who fear him lack nothing. Those who seek the Lord, by the way, not just know the Lord, not just Christians, those who seek the Lord will not lack any good thing. The Lord is my shepherd. Jesus said it in Matthew chapter 6, but seek. Not just know the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things. Everything you need, I love it, will be provided for you. What is he trying to tell us? Jesus was trying to tell us, the Lord is my shepherd. I will lack nothing. Let me ask you this morning, what are you looking for? It can only be found in Jesus. Are you looking for satisfaction? It can only be found in Jesus. Are you looking for joy? Are you looking for peace? Are you looking for fulfillment? The Lord is my shepherd. He'll provide all that you need. Number two, not only does the shepherd bring provision, but number two, the shepherd brings protection. The journey of the Christian life is covered with fear, anxiety, and enemies. Verse number four, he tells us that there are dangers all around. There are dark valleys all around. But the Bible tells us he is the shepherd that protects in the now and even in eternity. My wife, my wife tells a story funnier than I do, better than I do uh, for sure. But when we got married, uh, I was 20, she was 19. We, we were young. And I know some of you are thinking, well, man, that is really young to get married. I'm thinking I wasted 20 years of my life that I could have spent with her. I, I wish I'd married a, uh, wish we'd met in grammar school and got married because I, uh, best thing ever happened to me. But we, 2019 is about as quickly as we could get married. And we got married and um, we, we bought our first home, a 14 by 72 mobile home. We put it up on some family land of my grandfather's and uh, we both went from living with our parents to living with one another. We never lived uh, uh, individually or anything. And my wife had grown up with her father as her protector. Now she's married and she's got this six foot one, 140 pound all teeth guy that now she's looking as her protector. When I smile, all you see is teeth. And so I was just little back then, and she wasn't quite sure I could do it. 
And so I never forget, we pulled up in front of our home one day, and we're getting out of our car, and uh, my wife, it's dark outside, and my wife starts saying, Joel, put that gun up. I don't want you to shoot anybody. And I'm like, what? She's like, yeah, put it up, Joel. You're dangerous with that gun. Uh, you, you put up that AK-47 semi-automatic. Who she? She's had a stroke. <laughs> now, get the knives out, Joel. That'll be fine. It's okay to get the knives. And I got a bazooka over here, and I'll use that. And I'm, what is she talking about? We get in the house, and she's like, well, you know, basically, I'm paraphrasing. I don't know how good a protector you are, so I'm trying to scare the bad guys away. Well, what bad guys? Well, you know, just in case there's some people lurking behind our house. I'm not sure the bad guys are casing out a newly married 14 by 72 mobile home in the middle of nowhere. But she wasn't satisfied with my level of protection. She doubted my ability to protect her. And can I tell you, sometimes in the Christian life, we doubt the Lord's protection. But your shepherd has this. Just go ask Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When they were thrown into the fiery furnace, we're able to say, wait a minute, there were three of us, but I see a fourth guy walking around. Just go ask Daniel when he was thrown into the lion's den and did not lose a, a week of sleep. Why? The Lord was his shepherd. Just go ask David, who, when he was fighting Goliath, did not back away from Goliath, but the Bible tells us he charged Goliath. Why? David said, the battle is not mine, it's the Lord's. He is my shepherd. It is Psalm 56.4 that said, whatever times I'm afraid, I will trust in thee. Why? The Lord is my shepherd and he is my protection. What does it mean when we say the Lord is my shepherd? It means he brings provision. He brings protection. Number three, he brings presence. You see it in verse number four. It just looks over in verse number four, right in the very middle of the verse. For you are with me. Do you know the great thing about knowing Christ is that he is always with me. The presence of the Lord for a child of God is always with me. Sometimes it's just knowing you are not alone. That makes all the difference in the world. And in our day of hyper-connectivity, we have never been more lonely. The research tells us this, that more than three in five Americans say they're lonely. 60% plus of Americans are lonely. More people report feelings of being left out, poorly understood, and lacking companionship. And get this, loneliness is more common among heavy Social media users, as I sit and just scroll my phone, see my influencers, but yet I feel so lonely. The good news about the shepherd is if he is your shepherd, you are never alone. He said it again in Matthew chapter 28. Jesus said, remember, I am with you 
always to the end of the age. He said it in Hebrews chapter 13, keep your life free from the love of money. Be satisfied with what you have. For he himself, Jesus has said, I will never leave you nor abandon you. The shepherd will never leave you alone. That means in good times, the shepherd is there. In bad times, the shepherd is there. In the storms of life, the shepherd is there. In the darkest valleys, the shepherd is there. In dangers, the shepherd is there what does it mean when we say the lord is our shepherd number four it means that he will bring preparation the shepherd has goodness and mercy prepared to follow me all the days of my life the hounds of heaven look in verse number six the hounds of heaven are goodness and faithful love goodness and mercy and they pursue me all the days of my life, all the days of my life, God has goodness and mercy and love chasing me down. Why do they have to chase me down? Because I'm often running away from the goodness and mercy and love of God. Not only that, he has prepared for me the house of the Lord. As the King James says, all the days of my life as long as I live. It's a reference not just to this life, but to eternity. It reminds me of John 14, verse 3, that passage on heaven. Jesus said, I go away and prepare a place for you. For 2,000 years, God has been preparing a place for you. And when you know Jesus as your Savior, good things are being prepared for you now and for all of eternity. Close your Bibles, I'm finished. I know most of you celebrate July 4th. You know what July 4th is, but what you don't know is there's a holiday three days before that on July 1st. You know what July 1st is? July 1st is known in baseball as Bobby Bonilla Day. Why in the world would we celebrate Bobby Bonilla Day? I'll tell you why. Bobby Bonilla last played baseball in 2001 for the New York Mets. In 2001, the Mets cut Bobby Bonilla, but they owed him $5.9 million. Instead of paying him the $5.9 million, the owner of the Mets said, I want to do this. I want to pay you that money with interest from 2011 until 2035, I will pay you the $5.9 million with interest accumulating from 2001. It would be a total of $30 million or more. Now, why? Why would the Mets not give Bobby Bonilla his $5.9 million? Why would they trade that for $30 million plus? Because the owner of the Mets had a great idea. He said, I'm going to invest this money with one of the greatest investors of all time. And the $5.9 million will make me money even though I'm going to pay Bobby Bonilla $30 million. I'll make more money with this investor. So the owner of the Mets took the $5.9 million and he invested it with a guy named Bernie Madoff. Who was just convicted shortly after that, of running the greatest Ponzi scheme in the history of America, and he received 150 years in prison. 
and he died in 2021. Needless to say, it didn't work so well. But every year on July 1st, Bobby Bonilla gets a check for $1,193,248.20. He gets that check until 2035, at which point he would have made, oh, he'll be 72 years old in 2035, and he would have made over $30 million. Why did I tell you that story? Because Bobby Bonilla's present and future financial status has been prepared for already. That's what the psalmist was trying to tell us in Psalm 23. The Lord is your shepherd. That means he has prepared for you not only a beautiful now, but a beautiful future as well. Would you stand with me across the room, wherever you may be? Just because you're saved doesn't really mean you're claiming the promise of Psalm 23. You know why? The songwriter said it this way, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. He was talking about the sheep. I didn't have time. There are books written on Psalm 23 about the shepherd and sheep relationship. I didn't even have time to get into all that. That'd be a sermon series, not a sermon. But you know, sheep are prone to wander away. Sheep are prone to leave the care of the shepherd. Sheep get in trouble when they get outside the flock. And listen, that very well may be you today. Just because you're saved, yes, you have the promise of the Lord as your shepherd. But you know what we do? Even as Christians, we wander outside the fold and we try to find satisfaction somewhere else. We wander away from the fold and we try to get fulfillment somewhere else. We wander away from the fold and we try to get provision and protection and presence and preparation somewhere else where the Bible says everything you need is in Jesus. Christian, why are you looking somewhere else? It's all found here. It's all found here. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? Thank you, Pastor Joel, for that great message. And what a great reminder of what God does for us when we have a relationship with Him. He provides with us. He protects us, just like a good shepherd would do. Maybe this morning you listened to that message and you heard all of the things that God does for us in Psalm 23. But maybe you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. And so you don't have the presence of the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Maybe God has spoken to your heart, and today you need to make that decision to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life. It begins with you understanding that you're a sinner. Your sin has separated you from God, and there's nothing you can do on your own to bridge that gap between you and God. You've got to be willing to admit that. You've got to believe that Jesus died on the cross, that he was buried, and that he rose again on the third day to pay the price for your sin. And then you have to confess him as your personal Lord and Savior. And if you need to do that today, right here, right now, in the quietness of this moment, tell God this, Lord, I know I'm a sinner and I'm sorry for my sin. I believe that Jesus died on the cross, that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day to pay the price for my sin. Lord, right now, I ask you through the power of your Holy Spirit to come into my heart, 
Take away my sin. Be my Savior. Lord, I give my life to you in Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer this morning for the very first time and you meant it, I want to say welcome to the family. We want to help you take next steps on your faith journey with Jesus. And so click on the link we've just dropped in the chat box that says, I commit my life to Christ. We're going to reach out to you and help you take next steps. It's been awesome to worship together. I look forward to these times each week. God bless you. Have a great week. We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week as we help equip you to apply God's word to your daily life. For the latest updates about what's happening around Peavine City, be sure to connect with us on social media. For more information about Peavine, to get in touch with us or check out one of our services, visit us at peavine.org. Thanks for listening.